WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday. Thank God. December 8th, your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today warmer than it was most of this week. The high 40. Then Saturday, sunshine, high 56. And then Sunday, it's going to be rain, windy at times, warm, though, high 62. And that begins a pattern of like 24 hours of heavy wind and rain into Monday. Of course, we'll follow that as that storm system moves in. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 34 and cloudy in Mount Kisco up in Westchester County, 35 and cloudy in Garwood down in New Jersey. And it is 36 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Let's start with this um, breaking news from overnight. Well, this was late yesterday. This uh, woman attempted to burn down Martin Luther King Jr.'s birth home. This was an some off-duty NYPD cops actually stopped her. This is in Atlanta. Kind of a crazy story. This woman shows up outside uh, MLK's birth home. Uh, She has a gas canister in her hand. She starts pouring gas all over this historic property. Um, We got a little video of this. Um, These two police officers, NYPD cops off duty, were just visiting the site. Uh, It actually isn't open. It's under renovations. Normally it's a museum, but they have closed it to do some renovations. This was about six o'clock last night when these cops saw her with this canister pouring gas everywhere. What are you what are you doing? What are you doing? No, that's gasoline. Yeah. (laughs) So two tourists from uh, Utah were there as well. Uh, everybody tried to intervene to stop this woman before she lit a match. I mean, if she had, the place would have gone up in just seconds. Uh, one witness says this woman was having trouble at the end spreading the fuel around the property, and that little extra time was what likely saved this home, Martin Luther King's birth home, from being burnt down. Had a big five-gallon gas can in her hand and was going like this over the bushes. So I figured she was, you know, related to me for the building or something was just trying to water the bushes um, but it wasn't coming out and she was seemed a little irritated and a little on edge uh. she finished dumping the gas and dropped it into the bushes um, at that point I called 911 on my phone and stopped recording yeah I mean the world's gone nuts hasn't it this so this arsonist uh, quickly grabbed by these two off-duty NYPD cops who were visiting the historical landmark. They held her until Atlanta cops arrived. Atlanta firefighters then were on the scene because now there's gas all over this home. Uh, they thanked the cops and the eyewitnesses who, who called the police to grab this woman before she did damage. If the witnesses hadn't been here and interrupted what she was doing, I mean, it could have been a matter of seconds um, before the house was engulfed in flames. Um, it was really about the timing and the witnesses being in the right place at the right time. Okay, so we don't know the names of those NYPD cops yet. I'm sure we will uh, in, you know, momentarily uh, during the course of this day, I should say. Uh, kudos to them for being in the right place at the right time and grabbing this woman the home. 
is in the care of the National Park Service, which acquired the property from the King family back in 2018. It has been closed to tours since uh, November as they're doing these ongoing renovations. Uh, it would have been gone if those two NYPD cops hadn't been there. Thank God for them. Uh, now the house is there. The woman behind bars, and we'll try to figure out who she is. 504. <laughs> Some people have all the luck. We tried to get in touch with this guy early this morning, but, you know, nobody wants to be woken up. A Brooklyn man has luck on his side, winning seven figures in the lottery twice now. New York lottery officials telling us uh, Wayne Murray just claimed a $10 million prize for a scratch-off ticket he purchased at the H&A gas convenience store in Flatbush. So this is the second time he has won the lottery. He also won... $10 $10 million on a black titanium game ticket last year, one of those scratch-offs that he purchased at the same store. So I should probably say the name of it again. It's a good luck store, at least it is for Wayne Murray. H&A Gas and Convenience Store in Flatbush. Wayne Murray's now won $20 million in scratch-off tickets from that store just in one year. All right, last night was the uh, first... Can someone shut that door? That's so loud. Hey, shut that door. Sorry. Now, nobody likes me here. They just scream and yell while I'm trying to do a show. And I can't I can't stop it. I'm one guy. I put the show together by myself. I turn on the microphone by myself. I play all the cuts myself. And the one thing people have to do is be quiet while I'm doing the show. But nobody can do that. <laughs> all right. Uh, last night was the first night of Hanukkah. I guess that was my Hanukkah present, was to make noise as I'm trying to do the show. NYPD Inspector Richie Taylor says the um, holiday is bound to feel different this year. Of course, after the October 7th attack by Hamas in Israel. And then, of course, the craziness that has ensued afterwards. If someone feels that they can do something against someone because of their Jewish religion or any religion, we have the NYPD Hate Crime Task Force that aggressively pursues every perpetrator. Yes, so meanwhile... Temple Emmanuel last night, that's the big, gigantic synagogue, 5th Avenue and 65th Street. They held this interfaith candle lighting service with uh, multiple religions, people of different faiths uh, on hand to promote peace. And our own Joseph Potasnik was there. Uh, they uh, had to cut off traffic for a little bit to get the crowd in there. And here was Potasnik, who's always, you know, a funny dude. We, the Jewish community, are sorry for all the Hanukkah traffic. Uh, Especially by Rockefeller Center. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you gotta love Rabbi Joe, who I've known, well, God, for 20 years now. Jeez. Um, uh, he was, uh, the one who helped, uh, put this candle lighting together last night with people of different religions. May the branches be as strong as the roots. We're different branches, but we all have the same roots. May we continue to bring light and love to one another. Of course, he's the host or the co-host of The Rev and the Rabbi, which is on 7 a.m. Sunday mornings here, 77 WABC. That happening as shots were fired at a temple in Albany just hours before the start of Hanukkah. Governor Hochul says, thankfully, nobody injured. But this 28-year-old guy yelling stuff about what's going on in Israel fired shots while making threatening statements in the parking lot of Temple Israel. The prospect of violence in a place of worship is not just an attack on the building. It's an attack on the very fabric of our society, our freedom to express our faith. 
our sh- collective shared sense of safety. Yeah, of course, this is the stuff the Jewish community was worried about. Any act of anti-Semitism is unacceptable and undermining the public safety at our synagogue the first night of Hanukkah is even more deplorable. Yes, yeah, so now, uh, as she had already done, uh, stepped up law enforcement outside synagogues, now they're going to do it a little bit more. And now to know there's an individual who literally brought a gun, a loaded weapon, to their premises, shakes people to their core. Yeah, there's a nursery school there. Thankfully, nobody hurt. WABC News Time 510. Do you remember when Hunter Biden last summer looked like he was going to get off, slide past all these charges he was facing? Boy, have things changed for him in the last couple of months. Indicted yesterday now, the son of President Joe Biden, on nine charges, including three felonies in part for allegedly dodging more than a million dollars in taxes while living what was a hard partying life over a four-year period. The uh, three felonies leveled against the president's 53-year-old son uh, could put him behind bars for like 17 years if he's convicted on all the counts, which is probably not likely, but they include... One count of tax evasion for his 2018 personal taxes. Two counts of filing a false return for his 2018 personal taxes. And uh, some mistakes on his corporate income tax return from his company, Owasco PC. He's also been hit with six misdemeanor counts of failure to pay and failure to file charge uh, taxes back in 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. I mean... Can you imagine go that many years without paying your taxes? You and I, we'd, we'd be behind bars. The uh, defendant, they say, engaged in a four-year scheme not to pay at least $1.4 million in self-assessed federal taxes he owed for tax years 2016 through 2019. The special counsel, David Weiss, writes this all in a 56-page indictment that's out of the Central District of California. I guess we'll get some more information on this as the day wears on today, but more trouble for the president's son, Hunter Biden. And um, uh, we'll have to wait and see if we get some comment from the White House later today. Let's go down to D.C. at 512. The uh, top Democrat in the House saying it's totally unacceptable for Congress to leave town for the holidays without passing aid for Ukraine. Extreme MAGA Republicans in the House and the Senate would rather side with the pro Putin forces in this country than America's national security interests. House Minority Leader uh, Hakeem Jeffries there telling reporters both Ukraine and Israel are in the fights for their life. Uh, This comes after Republican senators blocked President Biden's request for aid. They want immigration reform as part of this package. That would be completely and totally unacceptable. It's important that we stand with Ukraine in an existential fight to push back Russian aggression. Yes, lots of people speaking out yesterday. The White House, too, they say time's running out to get aid to Ukraine. Republicans need to act in good faith and show that they're serious, and they're not. They're blocking the president's request for funding. That's what they're doing. That's White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre. We talked about Ukraine. We've talked about Israel. The reason we included the border security is because the president thought it was important and we needed those additional funding. Obviously, this is an emergency. This is important. But, yeah, we are running out of time. But this is what the Republicans are saying. They're tired of President Biden being AWOL when it comes to securing the southern border. And they say they have no choice but to add this to the bill. Joe Biden has been asleep at the wheel when it comes to the border. You need to wake up, Mr. President, before we get hit. 
South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham telling reporters the president's policies are directly resulting in the surge of migrant crossings into the U.S. He says Democrats will have to make significant concessions on border policy if they want to pass the president's funding requests for Ukraine in Israel. He's chosen to let people loose in the country. He's chosen to abuse the parole law. And his choice has led to a broken border with elevated terrorist threats. No legalization. Secure the border to get money for Ukraine, to get money for Israel. Secure the border before we get attacked. Yes, yeah, so Republicans blocked this procedural vote on the $110 billion funding bill. Let's go to Israel where some of that aid would go. It's been two months since the Israel-Hamas war began. The fighting continues to rage on. Correspondent Richard Engel says the war is not the only danger anymore for the two million Palestinians who can't leave Gaza today. Hunger is spreading. Massive crowds gathered today outside a food distribution center. The U.N. is warning of a humanitarian catastrophe. And we're being told the president, President Biden, spoke with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, warning uh, the prime minister that he needs to get more humanitarian aid into Gaza. Rafe Sanchez, uh, uh, Sanchez, rather, another correspondent, says the United Nations also pressuring Israel to get humanitarian aid in. The Israeli government has agreed to allow what it's calling a minimum amount of fuel into southern Gaza for humanitarian purposes. This all coming as Palestinian civilians trying to figure out a place to flee the fighting. That allows him to refer to the urgent attention of the U.N. Security Council, the crisis going on in Gaza right now. He says it is a threat to international security. These are people who fled their homes in the north. And at the same time, some of the most intensive fighting we have seen in this entire war is happening in and around the southern city of Han Yunus. Yeah, these are tight cities. Uh, lots of people cramped into small places. The State Department also warning Israel as well, saying they want to see fewer civilians killed uh, in this war against Hamas. We have made clear that far too many Palestinians have been killed in, in this conflict, and that, of course, includes far too many Palestinian children and, of course, Palestinian babies. Department spokesman Matthew Miller talking to reporters yesterday. We have taken every measure we could to speak loudly and clearly to the government of Israel that it needs to do everything it can to minimize civilian harm. And it's why we have worked to try and move humanitarian assistance in. Yeah, now we're on day 63. Yesterday, maybe you saw some of that video. More than 100 members of Hamas uh, turned themselves in to Israeli soldiers. They were stripped and then taken away. Not clear where they are, but um, surprised to see that yesterday. All right. We're going to get more into this story, by the way. There's been some fallout at the universities after those congressional hearings. We'll get the latest on that. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Well, good morning, Noam Lane. And I've been uh, kind of just sitting here waiting, waiting for you. Oh. That's all right, though. I didn't see you even walk in there. Oh, yeah. Usually you're I'm, late, so I'm, I have to, uh, I have to like, you know, talk you about other there? stuff. You see what he did there? He turned it around on me. That was very clever. <laughs> very, yeah, very clever. We'll get into uh, the sports here. No, week 14 in the NFL kicked off last night in Pittsburgh with the Steelers and the New England Patriots on Thursday night football. Billy Zappi threw for three touchdown passes. The uh, New England defense got stops when necessary. And the now 3-10 and ten Pats pulled out the 21-18 road win over Pittsburgh with the loss the Steelers dropped to seven and six overall and out of a tie for second place in the AFC North. Locally this weekend the four and eight Jets get the Houston Texans at one PM on Sunday afternoon at MetLife currently has three and a half point home underdogs. As for the Giants, they'll welcome in the Green Bay Packers. 
for uh, some Monday Night Football action. The G-Men are six-and-a-half-point underdogs there. On the ice, Matthew Barzal had two goals and two assists. Bo Horvat also scored twice and picked up an assist. And the Islanders beat the Columbus Blue Jackets in Elmont by a score of 7-3 to three last night. And Ball, Clutterbuck, and Paul Mary also scored for New York which extended its point streak to four games. Uh, Varlamov finished with 32 saves in its first win at home this season. Out in Seattle, uh, Shimon Nemetz scored his first NHL goal midway through the second period. That would ultimately be the game winner for the Devils, who just squeezed past the Kraken by a score of 2-1. to one. Andrea Palat scored his fourth goal late in the first period to give New Jersey the lead. And Kira Schmidt rebounded nicely with 37 saves after giving up five goals on 17 shots in his previous game against San Jose. And in the NBA, the finals for the inaugural in-season tournament are set and ready to go. The Indiana Pacers bested the Milwaukee Bucks last night by a score of 128-119 to to punch their ticket to the finals before LeBron and the Lakers beat up on the New Orleans Pelicans, 133-89, to to further set their sights on the first-ever NBA in-season tournament title. The championship game will be held at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, set for tomorrow night at 830 p.m. So that was quick. I thought it was going to last the whole season, but I guess not. Over and done with the NBA in-season tournament. Almost. We'll see who the champion is. And nobody cares. Yeah, nobody really cares. Unless you're a big NBA fan. I guess. And then I get it. But, you know, other than that, sayonara in-season tournament. Unless there's another one. Are there two? I don't know. There is? No, no, oh. no, no. I'm just, yeah, I'm just <laughs> an Alec gnome with sports on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. Billionaire Bill Ackman not uh, hiding his glee about the possible ouster of the University of Pennsylvania's president, Liz McGill. Uh, it's all because of those congressional hearings, no doubt, you saw on anti-Semitism, where they brought in the presidents of MIT, Harvard, and the University of Pennsylvania. And it seemed that none of the three would condemn the anti-Semitism acts that were taking place on their campus. And boy, has there been big fallout. So the University of Pennsylvania's Board of Trustees held it in the emergency meeting yesterday. One unnamed source telling CNN that it looks like McGill, Liz McGill, the university president, who was smiling during those hearings and just saying awfully weird stuff, could be out by the end of today. Uh, so there's been big pressure on the University of Pennsylvania. One donor who handed $100 million to the school over the last couple months wants his money back, he says, until McGill is gone. So that's pressuring the campus. Uh, Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, also facing lots of criticism. So is MIT's president, Sally Kornbluth. During that hearing, McGill, who's the president still at University of Pennsylvania, was repeatedly asked if calling for the genocide of Jewish people would violate her university's rules on bullying and harassment. And she kept repeating the same line. If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. I mean, this was one, they threw her a softball and she just swiffed it. She could not hit it. Uh, And so now she likely, or at least looks like, she will be out of a job maybe by the end of the day today. This according to some sources inside that board of trustees at the University of Pennsylvania. All right, let's bring it back to New York, where former President Trump was in attendance at his fraud trial yesterday. So we're going in now. We have an expert witness, one of the uh, great experts in the country. 
Yeah, so it was an accountant who took the stand yesterday testifying in Trump's defense. Former president also expected to testify Monday as the last witness in this defense case. The office of the New York Attorney General is suing the Trumps and the Trump Organization for allegedly inflating financial statements by billions of dollars. But people who watched this accountant testify for Trump yesterday say that he did a fantastic job punching holes through the New York Attorney General's case. We won the case at the appellate division, the high court, and this judge refuses to acknowledge that victory. So the judge is the only person who makes the final decision in this case, no jury. Trump continues to say that his family, his organization has done no wrong here in New York. There were no victims. The bank loves us. The bank testified. They love us. Did absolutely nothing wrong. We never even defaulted. The former president also saying the New York Attorney General Letitia James should worry about crimes here in New York, not one following the Trump family around. We have people being murdered outside, all over the streets. They're being murdered. This violent crime, and this Attorney General is crazy. She's a lunatic. Again, looks like Donald Trump will take the stand for, as the final witness on Monday. Down to Texas, where a mom who is challenging the state's near total abortion ban has won a temporary restraining order that could allow her to end the pregnancy. Lawyers for Kate Cox argue the medical exemption in the state law is vague and that the doctor's worries about a lifetime prison sentence for carrying out the abortion uh, should be stopped. This position is not only cruel and dangerous, but it flies in the face of the Texas Constitution, medical ethics, and the laws themselves. Molly Duane is with the Center for Reproductive Rights. The lawsuit is believed to be the first of its kind in the nation since the Supreme Court last year overturned Roe v. Wade. Since that landmark ruling, Texas and 12 other states have banned abortion at nearly all stages of pregnancy, but it's narrow and it only applies to this month. While there is technically a medical exception to the current bans, no one knows what it means and the state won't tell us. This case makes that even more clear. Yes, yeah, so they're trying to clear this up. The idea that Miss Cox wants desperately to be a parent and this law might actually cause her to lose that ability is shocking. That's Judge Maya Guerrera Gamble, who ruled in favor of the mother yesterday. 525, the off-duty Alaska Airlines pilot accused of trying to crash a plane in October has been released from custody now. Joseph Dave David Emerson's wife, Sarah, says he never intended to hurt anybody. Hard situation for a lot of people, not just Joe, for the people that were on the airplane, for the pilots, for the flight attendants. Emerson being charged with 83 counts of recklessly endangering another person, one count of endangering an aircraft. Emerson's attorneys argue he was struggling with depression, had not slept since taking mushrooms two days before the flight. Uh, I should say psychedelic mushrooms, not regular ones. According to the terms of the release, he'll be allowed to return to his home in California while awaiting trial. Emerson tried to activate the fire suppression system on this Horizon Air flight from Washington to San Francisco and attempted to cut off fuel to the jet's engines, but was thankfully subdued by a crew. A Florida family suing Panera Bread over the death of a man who drank three of their charged lemonade drinks in one day. The lawsuit alleges 46-year-old Dennis Brown died from drinking Panera's charged lemonade drink, which contains almost 400 milligrams of caffeine, the FDA suggested daily maximum intake. 
A lawyer for Brown's family says the only thing that had changed in the weeks before his death health-wise was that Brown started drinking the lemonades. Panera denies the drink led to Brown's death, and it says it stands firmly by the safety of its products. The lawsuit marks the second time this year it's been alleged the drink caused the death of someone. I'm Scott Carr. Disney now making a deal with WNBA star Brittany Griner to tell her story. Of course, she was the one that was held by the Russians. Griner will give Disney exclusive rights to share her story through a documentary from ESPN Films, a scripted series through ABC Signature, and an exclusive interview with ABC News anchor Robin Roberts. Griner said in a statement that the last two years have been the most harrowing, transformative, and illuminating period of her life. She was arrested in February of 2022 at a Moscow airport for a cannabis possession, which led to her being held in prison for months. I'm Mark Mayfield. Wall Street, it closed higher yesterday. This comes after investors waiting for the release of today's jobs report. It also comes as the S&P 500 and the Dow both snapped a three-day losing skid. So at the closing bell, the Dow rose 63 points, S&P gained 36, the Nasdaq jumped 193 points. Listen at home. Enable the 77 WABC Alexa skill today. Say. Play 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, December 8th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mix of sun and clouds today, high 48. Saturday, sunshine, high 56. And Sunday's when it get kinds of messy uh, rain windy at times the high 62 and then uh, that rain continues into monday could make a mess of the monday commute we'll watch that storm as it rolls in if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 34 cloudy in mount kisco up in westchester county 35 and cloudy in garwood down in new jersey and it's 35 and partly cloudy here in midtown we'll start this half hour in the city talking about this bird burglary crew that has been after prescription pills and boy have they been successful breaking into a slew of privately owned pharmacies across the city stealing all kinds of drugs reselling them likely on the streets for big bucks um one of the stores is on staten island and in fact if you go to wabcradio.com right now you can see video of how these guys break into this pharmacy on staten island and grab pills and money from the cash register uh here's the woman uh, who works at that pharmacy. It was quick. It was a minute and a half in and out. The alarm system here is pretty loud, so they got scared. It's a ring, uh, so they have multiple people involved, multi-states, so it's big. That's what she was told by cops when they arrived. Sources say there are pain medications, opioids like oxycodone, a hydrocodone, a Percocet, amphetamines taken, and they think... Uh, they sell them for tens of thousands of dollars on the street to people who can, you know, run out of their uh, prescriptions with their doctors. Um, pharmacies all over the tri-state. So in Queens, Staten Island and Brooklyn, these pharmacies been hit up and they're pretty sure police and the FBI who are now involved think it's the same crew that's hitting up all these pharmacies. So 
they mostly just go for the pills, not even the cash, and run out of there. Um, though in the case of the Staten Island store, they grabbed about $2,000 in cash. Uh, this woman, who did not want to be identified, works at one of the pharmacies and says, yeah, these drugs that they sell are worth a lot of money on the streets. They can make like almost like a $30,000 profit off of like a whole bunch of these oxycodone medications. They thought that we don't really have that many security measures in place like corporate does. They did say that this is so prevalent right now, and it's one of those things where they're trying to control it on their end. Yeah, we so we have surveillance footage of the Staten Island robbery. And it is unbelievable how fast it takes place. They kick in the glass front door and they're maybe in the store for all of two minutes and they grab tons of stuff and then they leave in these luxury getaway vehicles. Uh, thankfully, here's the good part of the story. Nobody has been hurt because it has happened uh, almost every one of these robberies during closing hours. Uh, police really want to find these guys. Uh, you'll see the video. They're n- not easy to identify, but they're hoping at some point one of these surveillance cameras will capture a license plate. Something more will be, they'll be able to catch up with these thieves. Mayor Adams, he was in D.C. yesterday, hat in hand, trying to get some more money from the feds to deal with the migrant mess back here in the city. He s- uh, met with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer along with the White House, uh, with the Democratic leader in Washington in Congress, Hakeem Jeffries. I'm going to continue uh, to uh, lift my voice, even though I'm losing it. Yeah, the Adams administration has been calling on the federal government for immigration reform, a slew of resources that would ease the burden of the migrant crisis. 65,000 migrants, most who have come from the U.S. southern border over the last year here to New York, are in the city's care today, costing us billions of dollars. Yes, that's us, the taxpayer, paying it for it all. Um, the uh, It has hurt, of course, the mayor's approval rating, among some other stories that have come out of uh, the city over the last year. Uh, the mayor uh, did not really want to talk to reporters who were following him around yesterday saying, hey, did you get money from the feds? You were in Washington asking for money. Did you come home with a promise of cash from the feds? It's clear that you could just see uh, the poll numbers. Uh, the action on our national government has taken a toll on New York City. New Yorkers are angry. I join that anger. Uh, this is not what we foresaw. Yeah, so uh, I think the answer to that question is he came home likely mostly empty-handed. That is these two polls over two days, giving the mayor a good sense of just how unpopular he is in New York today. He don't do nothing for New York, nothing. You want to be honest? Stop bringing more, more migrants in here. Stop. This enough is enough. So two surveys, one a Quinnipiac survey found just 28 percent of voters approve of the job Adams is doing. Another survey finds Adam is Adams is the least popular lawmaker in New York City. That's not surprising. Look, all this garbage, all this trash, all this nonsense. It's a whole series of policies that don't work. And, and no surprise here as those poll numbers continue to tank more and more Democrats mulling very quietly. A run against Adams come 2025. WABC News Time 539. Boy, have there been a lot of stashings and stabbings in city schools this week. Another one yesterday. A 15-year-old student slashed in the face at AECI Charter High. That's up in the Bronx. Uh, police rushing to this school on Brook Avenue about 11 a.m. yesterday. They found this 15-year-old victim had been slashed in the face. 
as in the other slashings, two others this, this week, the parents raced to the scene, too, to make sure their kids were okay. Out of my job, told my boss I got to go. My son got a lockdown, got to go see what's going on. Was, some kid some kid got into a fight, and they was playing at first, and then all of a sudden somebody got stabbed. Yeah, so this is what cops telling us. One ninth grader pulled out a box cutter, slashed another ninth grader after play fighting escalated into a brawl. The student taken to Lincoln Hospital, stable condition. Police confirming to us now that a 15-year-old student taken into custody charged with assault. That is, parents say, geez, what's going on in schools? Three stabbings in three schools just this week. It's a normal thing for anybody to be, you know, concerned about their safety. Because you don't know, you know what I mean? The next time it could be a gun that's brought into school. And the- Once you're in my car, I'm secured. My child is good. I'm happy, but I want to still, I'm still concerned about this whole situation. Yes, yeah, so we had Edward R. Murrow school uh, earlier this week where two teenagers got into a fight. One stabbed the other in the stomach. Now they have metal detectors at that school. Then you had a school, Bronx, one uh, middle school where there was a stabbing on Wednesday. And now this one on Thursday. Down to Washington, the House censoring New York Democrat Jamal Bowman for pulling that fire alarm ahead of a big vote. The chamber voted yesterday 214 to 191 to censure Bowman. By its adoption of House Resolution 914, the House has resolved that the House of Representatives censures Jamal Bowman, representative from the 16th Congressional District of New York. Yeah, so you'll remember he pulled the alarm in a congressional building during a vote to fund the government back in September. Republicans accused the Democrat of trying to delay the vote on the spending bill while he claims he pulled the alarm thinking it was an open way to a way to open a locked door in the building. Bowman pled guilty to one count of falsely pulling a fire alarm and was ordered to pay a $1,000 fine. Maybe the bigger story here is now he'll face um, a primary challenge from the Westchester County Executive George Latimer. So we'll have to see how that goes. So while we're talking in politics, the Democratic Party nominating Tom Swazi out on Long Island to run for that third congressional seat that is now vacated after the historic expulsion of George Santos last Friday. Swazi, who actually held Santos's seat before stepping away to run for governor, says he wants to take back the Nassau County Queens District in a special election that will take place early next year. It's sad. It's bad for the country. People have such a low esteem for politics and politicians already. Yeah, he's talking about there the expulsion of uh, George Santos. It's not going to be easy. I'm going to run on the things that I've accomplished for the people of my district in the past and the things that I want to do in the future to address the concerns that they have. So Swazi did hold that seat for six years before he wanted to run against Governor Hochul in the Democratic primary. The special election is pretty high stakes because Republicans hold just a narrow eight-seat margin in the House of Representatives. Um, so they're interviewing the Republicans on Long Island, 25 candidates. Um, one or two are from Queens. The rest are from Long Island. The Nassau County GOP chair, Joe Cairo, uh, who apologized for the party endorsing Jan- George Santos, says they will thoroughly vet all the candidates they're talking to now before they decide on who is their person. Very, very important. That's what we're going to do a very thorough job. Not only were there questions asked, very probing questions at the interview process by the committee, but now we will engage or are engaging today private companies to do a thorough background check. Yeah, so Governor Hochul calling for that special election. It'll take place on February 13th. This weekend, SantaCon. Do you know what SantaCon is? SantaCon is when 
Lots of people dress up like Santa Claus and then go on a bar crawl through midtown Manhattan. It's caused problems in years past. So everybody gets ready for this weekend like it's going to be the end of time. It's Saturday. The MTA and New Jersey Transit instituting, uh, instituting an alcohol ban for SantaCon this weekend. So if you're heading to the bar crawl on public transportation, the LAWR, Metro North, New Jersey Transit, banning all alcohol on Saturday. The MTA says cops could kick Santas with bottles of booze off trains. Uh, New Jersey Transit actually taking it a step further. They're actually banning beverages of any kind, even if they're not alcoholic, and even if those beverages are closed, they'll take them from you. So um, the big deal with SantaCon for people who live on the SantaCon bar crawl route is that it gets awfully rowdy, or it has in years past, and people say they hate it. Um, uh, here's one neighbor. Puking on the street, peeing on the street, uh, committing sex acts everywhere. Yeah, sounds like a good time. The people who run SantaCon say, uh, okay, you know, sometimes it gets a little out of hand, but he said they say they raised a lot of money. During this bar crawl, that all goes to charity. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Just stay home. Can't leave your house on Saturday. Why is that? If you live in the city. Oh, you. for Santa Con. Yeah, can't uh, leave, you can't leave your house. See, I pegged you as somebody who would take no, 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 part no, 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 in no, no, Santa No, 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 no. I do not do that. You don't? You've no. never done Santa Con? First of all, I'm a devout Jew. Wait, what does that matter? Well, I'm not going to run around in a Santa Claus costume. All right, so goes Hanukkah Harry. <laughs> Or just a giant menorah, but uh, no, I, it's 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 diabolically crowded. I mean, who wants to squeeze around a crowded bar? You can't move anywhere. It takes an hour and a half to get a drink. Wait, I mean, it's out of control. Hold on a second. Did you hear about the good time people have? Listen to this. Okay. Well, hold on. It helps me if I. Oh, have. here we go. Puking on the street. Yeah. yeah. Peeing on the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, committing sex acts. Oh my god. Everywhere. Yeah, I pegged you sex for a guy acts. who would enjoy all those. Well, things, the sex but I guess act, I'm wrong. The sex acts part. I mean, I, I could do that without all the puking and the puking and the peeing. There you go. You know. <laughs> but just adding, you know, at a certain point, you got to grow out of it. Okay. You do okay. it one time, and that's it. Okay. Jeez. God. Anyway, it's like St. Patty's Day. It's like everybody loves it, but it's like at a certain point, you just want to go home. Right. You know. All right, to sports here. Week 14. <laughs> what is it, Lewis? I don't know. I felt bad about the St. Patty's Day thing because I'm staring right at Lulu. No, Lulu loves St. Patty's Day. The worst Day. is the kids coming out of Penn Station on oh, St. Patrick's God. Day. Yeah. Is, oh, God. Yeah. Mess. Mm-hmm. No, hey, let's get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with SantaCon, except they're all wearing Santa costumes. So everybody's twice the size. <laughs> Week 14 in the NFL kicked off last night in Pittsburgh with the Steelers and the New England Patriots on Thursday Night Football. Billy Zappi threw for three touchdown passes. The New England defense got stopped when they needed them, and the now 3-10 and Pats pulled out the 21-18 and 18, 21 to 18 road win over Pittsburgh. Uh, with the loss, the Steelers dropped to 7-6 and six overall and out of a tie for second place in the AFC North. Locally this weekend, the 4-8 and eight Jets get uh, the Houston Texans at 1 p.m. on Sunday afternoon at MetLife. Currently as three-and-a-half-point home underdogs. As for the Giants, they'll welcome in the Green Bay Packers for some Monday Night Football action. The G-Men are six-and-a-half-point underdogs there. On the ice, Matthew Barzal had two goals and two assists. Bo Horvat also scored uh, twice and picked up an assist. And the Islanders beat the Columbus Blue Jackets in Elma by a score of 7-3 to three last night in Seattle. Uh, Shimon Nemetz scored his first NHL goal midway through the second period. 
Uh, that would ultimately be the game winner for the Devils, who just squeezed past the Kraken by a score of 2-1. to one. And in the NBA, the finals for the inaugural in-season tournament are set and ready to go. The Indiana Pacers bested the Milwaukee Bucks last night by a score of 128-119 to 119 to punch their ticket to the finals. Before LeBron and the Lakers beat up on the New Orleans Pelicans, 133-89 to 89 to further set their sights on the first-ever NBA in-season tournament title. It's got to be rigged now that LeBron's going to win the... Uh, going to win the in-season tournament. (laughs) I mean, just dopey at some point. Yeah, come on. Uh, The championship game, though, will be held at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, set for tomorrow night at 8.30. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. Let's go down to Atlanta. We were watching this video this morning. A woman attempted to burn down Martin Luther King Jr.'s birth home last night. She showed up with a gas canister, doused the historic property in fuel, was ready to light the match. But thank God there was two uh, off-duty NYPD cops who were there to visit the home. And they were part of a crew that tackled this woman before she lit the match. What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now that's gasoline. Yeah, so uh, the cameras were out. Took, people took their phones out. Trying, they first thought that maybe she worked for the home, but then it became very clear that she was trying to burn down the home. Had a big five-gallon gas can in her hand and was going like this over the bushes. So I figured she was, you know, related to maintenance for the building or something. Was just trying to water the bushes, um, but it wasn't coming out. And she was seemed a little irritated and a little on edge. Uh. She finished dumping the gas and dropped it into the bushes. Um, at that point, I called 911 on my phone and stopped recording. And you got to love the part of the story that these two off-duty NYPD cops were there to visit their birth home of Martin Luther King Jr. And they grabbed her, held her until uh, the Atlanta cops and firefighters arrived at the scene. Atlanta's Fire Department Battalion Chief Jerry DeBerry. Uh, says the house would have definitely burned down in moments if she had lit a match because she had done a good job of pouring gas all over the place. If the witnesses hadn't been here and interrupted what she was doing, I mean, it could have been a matter of seconds um, before the house was engulfed in flames. Um, it was really about the timing and the witnesses being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, amazing. The Martin Luther King home is in the care of the National Park Service, which acquired the property from the King family back in 2018. Uh, actually just recently has been closed to tours as they do renovations on that house. Thank God it did not burn down. Uh, they were lighting uh, menorahs across the city. Well, I guess across the world. First night of Hanukkah yesterday. NYPD's Inspector Richie Taylor says the holiday definitely feeling a little different this year after the October 7th massacre in Israel. If someone feels that they can do something against someone because of their Jewish religion or any religion, we have the NYPD hate crime task force that aggressively pursues every perpetrator. Our favorite rabbi, Rabbi Joe Potasnik, bringing people of all faiths together outside the huge synagogue on Fifth Avenue, Temple Emmanuel, for a candle lighting there. So many people uh, were uh, at that Hanukkah celebration that they cut off traffic for a little while on Fifth Avenue. Potasnik apologizing for that. We, the Jewish community, are sorry for all the Hanukkah traffic, uh, especially by Rockefeller Center. Uh, he said last night in this tense time in the city and around the world, he said it was nice to see people of all different faiths getting together to celebrate Hanukkah. May the branches be as strong as the roots. We're different branches, but we all have the same roots. May we continue to bring light and love to one another. And that took place 
as this is what people in the Jewish community were, I guess everybody feared might happen. Uh, some guy shows up with a gun outside a temple in Albany yesterday, uh, starts yelling stuff off about the Israel-Hamas war, starts firing shots. Thankfully, uh, nobody hurt. The prospect of violence in a place of worship is not just an attack on the building. It's an attack on the very fabric of our society, our freedom to express our faith. Our sh- collective shared sense of safety. Yeah, so the uh, synagogue, this one has been threatened before. It's not the first time. Any act of anti-Semitism is unacceptable and undermining the public safety at our synagogue the first night of Hanukkah is even more deplorable. Yeah, the good news is that nobody was hurt and that the creep was collared and uh, thrown in behind bars. Hunter Biden. Boy, things looked good for him last summer, like he was going to slide. Boy, it doesn't look that way anymore. Indicted yesterday, nine charges, including three felonies, in part for allegedly dodging more than a million in taxes while living that hard partying life. The three felonies leveled against President Biden's 53-year-old son yesterday. Uh, he'll face a maximum of 17 penalties, uh, 17 years rather, in prison if he's convicted on all counts. They include a count of tax evasion for his 2018 personal taxes and two counts of filing a false return for his 2018 personal taxes on a corporate income tax return for his company, a Wasco PC. He's also been hit with six misdemeanor counts of failure to pay and failure to file taxes in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. No response so far from uh, the White House. Uh, 554 uh, New York City council members worried that budget cuts tied to the migrant crisis could lead to more trash on the streets. Now, no doubt you followed that the mayor announced two weeks ago, 5% cuts across the board. Every city agency had to pay for the migrant mess. Sanitation Deputy Commissioner Joshua Goodman says there are, will be fewer baskets on the streets that will be picked up, uh, maybe not as frequently as they have been. When there's no litter basket, people don't just drop their litter there. I mean, sometimes they do, and they're breaking the law, and they're cited. We issue violations. Um, we are going to be very thoughtful about a reduction in the number of litter baskets on the street. Yeah, so they're going to, he says they're going to try hard to make sure there's less trash on the streets, even though there'll be less baskets on the street. And instead of there being an overflowing basket on that corner, there will simply be no basket on that corner, nothing to attract the rats. All right, I have some differing opinions on that, but, you know, um, because the average person, if they're looking for them, they're going to throw it in the street. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's Councilwoman Joanne Areola, uh, says she's concerned about the fact that, uh, there'll be fewer baskets on city streets. People will naturally just throw that on the ground. But what's going to happen is our commercial strips where these baskets are being removed, they're storefronts. There are, there are small business owners there and then they'll be responsible. And that going on is the city's rats are talking yesterday about how the fact that there's, uh, maybe fewer rats because they've made some changes. Uh, to the way trash is collected, to the way it's put out on the streets. We do not have a rat census. Um, <laughs> the, the information that we use to drive our, you know, collective strategy is the information our health inspectors collect. Right. So a lot of the trash has to be put in containers that rats wouldn't be able to get to. So as she joked there, there's no census of how many rats, but there's less calls about rat problems to 311. Uh, the budget cuts will affect her rat czar office as well. We're getting better and better identifying where our high area of needs are, make sure we're deploying resources appropriately. Um, 
and better coordination leads to better communication. And that's the commitment you have from me in this administration. All right. Well, what we're rooting for, we want less rats. And she says uh, she thinks there probably are less rats on the street today.